Welcome to the shit show of my 20s. My name's Sophia. I'm a 20-year-old from California, personal development junkie. I'm a loan officer by day, podcaster on the weekends. I've always loved listening to podcasts. My personal development journey started early in high school when my ex broke up with me, and I just didn't know how to handle it. So I googled how to get over your ex, and I went and saw all these articles about personal development and really working on yourself. So I was like, you know what? I'll give it a try. And I got into one podcast. It all started with the School of Greatness with Lewis Howes, and then I just started to spiral and see Tony Robbins and just see everything and see everyone and listen to Angie Lee. And I've always wanted to start a podcast, but I've always gotten my own way. So I pushed it off for a couple years, and then I got furloughed from my job back in April. And I decided, you know what? Now's the time. It's either going to happen now or it's never going to happen. So I just did it, and I started. And I post. I sent all these DMs to so many different people. I thought so many people were going to say no. And to my surprise, a lot of people said yes. So I ended up overbooking myself, doing three to four interviews a day for the first couple weeks. Was furloughed for ten weeks and really maximized on that time and just did a ton of interviews. And it's been incredible getting to interview so many different people from so many different walks of life and just hear about their struggles and how they were able to overcome them and reflect back on their twenties. I've interviewed such a variety of people, from therapists to a chef who called off her engagement and called in the one, to a singer, to multi seven figure entrepreneurs, to a real estate investor who retired at twenty seven and is making over five figures of passive income every month. And it's been so incredible to hear these stories and these unfiltered conversations, and just being able to ask any question that I want. And if there's one thing I want you guys to get out of this podcast, it's just to really live full out because you never know when, you never know if you have tomorrow. We really only have today in this moment, so might as well just live full out. If any of these topics resonate or any of the episodes resonate with you, I would really love if you would leave a review and share it with a friend who you think it might resonate with. Today's guest is Kelly. I love chatting with her. We talk about her journey into personal development, how she met her husband on Twitter, what she's been doing to really improve her money mindset, and her journey getting off of birth control, all the symptoms that she was experiencing, and how that really led her down the path of health coaching, and how she's able to help all these women get off of birth control and reconnect to their bodies. And we go into how to work their cycle and natural methods of birth control and so much more. So let's get started. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? Doing good. How's um, building your house going? Oh my God. (laughs) It's, I don't think it'll ever end. Like, I just don't think I will never do anything like this again. Like never. It's just such an ordeal. And I, we were supposed to be in in June and then we were supposed to be in July and now they're like okay maybe like first week of September and I'm like oh my and we don't like we're not adding anything like this is just it's been the same list oh, yeah. so it's an ordeal um but we're hope we're packed I'm like ready to move like as soon as they tell me to move I'm ready <laughs> <laughs> so cool at least you get to create yeah. it to your design and, exactly yeah. I'm like you know what we're never leaving so it doesn't matter like it'll be ready <laughs> awesome 
how long have you been like into coaching and how long have you been in this career path? I have been, gosh, it's been a hot minute. Um, okay. So I started with like, like dabbling in like online space, maybe like three or four years ago, but it was like, um, basic nutrition and like fitness type stuff. And then I, decided I really wanted to like pursue health coach. It was like more like I was dabbling. Like I was just kind of playing in it. And then I decided I really wanted to go into like true health coaching, I think two years ago and, and started doing that. And I've been doing it since and I love it. It's so cool. And what areas do you like coach on? What's like your main focus? I would say uh, my main focus right now for me is like periods and sexual health. So like anything really having to do with like women's wellness kind of falls under that category, I think, but it's really like in the focus of like hormones, gut health, that sort of thing. What inspired you to like get into like women's health? Have you had your, like your own struggles with your own health journey? Have you always been called to women's health? Yeah. Yeah. I, it really started for me when, when I came off the pill, my senior year of high school, I really struggled with my health and I got really what caused me to like move and like take action was acne because when I came off the pill, I had so much acne. I was covered in a rash and rosacea and everything. And I, I think I would have dealt with like the other symptoms truly at the time. I think I would have been like, okay, fine. Like my stomach hurts, no big deal. But like my acne was so uncomfortable and painful that I was like, okay, I have to do something about this. And so that really led me down my path of really like digging into hormone health and trying to understand the gut and really what, how birth control impacted me. And so that's what really kicked off that journey, I would say. And knowing all that, you know, now, would you still go through and go back? If you were to go backwards, would you still go on the pill or would you do something else? If I had to redo it, heck no. <laughs> like, no, that, that, it's split to me because I'm like, well, if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't be here. But if I knew then what I know now, I would have never done it. So I don't know. It's, I go back and forth with that a lot <laughs> because I don't think I would have pursued being a health coach. And I really do feel like this is what I was meant to do. But at the same time, like, sure, I would have loved to have avoided all the stuff I had to, had to go through. And what are some of like the symptoms that you experienced and that you noticed your clients experiencing from being on the pill? Yeah. So I really had every symptom of like post birth control syndrome. So essentially that's like when we come off the pill or some form of hormonal birth control and we have like a crash, basically like our hormones, like freak out. Our bodies don't know what they're doing because it's sort of like we turned everything off for a long time being on some form of hormonal birth control. And then we take that out of the system and the body's like, wait, I have to turn these things on again. They haven't worked in a long time. Like I haven't done this in a while. So it's a lot to ask of your system to like detox synthetic hormones and then start to produce their own. So for me, like my symptoms were hair loss, brain fog, anxiety. I had weight fluctuations. Like I swear I would wake up and be 10 pounds heavier. And then I'd go, you know, the next day I'd be 10 pounds lighter. It was very confusing all over the place. And then the acne, and I had joint pains and what am I missing? I feel like there's more to it. I really just felt like very disconnected from my body. I had chronic yeast infections. Like I had it all. And I see a lot of that with my clients. I wouldn't say every person has like the same, same symptoms. Like no two bodies are the same, but a lot of my clients will experience like the acne, the hair loss, things like that. That's what they come to me for when they like come off the pill or whatever. And they're like, okay, I need help because I'm, dealing with all the post-birth control syndrome stuff. 
And I, I like to catch clients if I can before they come off. Uh, I like to work with them to make that transition easier because you don't actually have to, you don't have to have any of those symptoms when you come off of hormonal birth control. There's a way to do it that equips your body with the right tools to handle the transition. But a lot of times people don't know that until after the fact, They're like, oh, I feel terrible. What do I do? So that was, that was my case. I didn't figure it out until afterwards. And when you were experiencing like all those symptoms, did you think it was like normal? Like, were you prepared for those symptoms or? I certainly wasn't prepared for it. I mean, I don't think my frustration with birth control has never, like, I'm not a birth control hater. If you look at my social media, like some people think like I might be a birth control. I'm not, I will like fight all day long for every woman's right to be on hormonal birth control. if That's what they want. But my frustration is always with like the lack of education around it and how we don't know what we're putting in our bodies and we don't know, we don't know why, we don't know that there's other options. And so for me, it's never been about, you know, like damning hormonal birth control per se. It's just more so been about education around it. And I think that that's what we, we lack. And so I don't think I was prepared for any of that. Like I did not know that that was going to happen. But I think that, you know, I think there's more education around it. We can be just as like as whole women can be more equipped for it because we are told it's normal. Like we are told like, this is normal adult acne or this is normal gut stuff. Like I know so many women who have like IBS symptoms and like are just told that that's normal and it's not like common and normal are very different words. Um, And so just because something is common doesn't mean that it is like the norm and what your body's supposed to be. So uh, I certainly wasn't prepared for it, but that's why I, again, that's why I do what I do now because I want everyone to at least like know what they're getting into. And what are some other alternatives instead of like going on the pill? So, you know, there's tons of, it depends on like what your, what your goal is in terms of like, okay, we definitely don't want to get pregnant or, you know, we're willing to risk it or whatever, you know, people are at different stages in their relationships and their lives and whatever. So, you know, if someone's like willing to do something like a barrier method, like you obviously can use condoms, you can use internal condoms, like diaphragms, things like that, like actual, like a physical tool that can prevent you from getting pregnant. My personal favorite is a fertility awareness method. So this is a method that uses your body's biological signs to determine, to really to predict and then confirm your um, ovulation window. So if we, you know, we can only get pregnant uh, for one small chunk of the month, we can't get pregnant all month long. And so that if we can figure out when that, that little chunk is, if we can know that and understand that, then, you know, we're, we're home free the rest of the month. Like we're good to go. So that's the method I use and that I teach to clients. And we have so many wins with this. It's so exciting to me because you can use it to avoid, but also to conceive. So I have a couple girls from my last round of my group program who were trying to conceive and they got pregnant using this method. And then everyone else who didn't want to get pregnant has been successful at that too. So this method is like 99.4% or more effective. So it has a really high, um, high rate of success and it makes it comparable to most hormonal birth control methods. So that's usually what I recommend and it's what I teach. And did you always know you were going to be a health coach? Like, did you have any careers before this? What was like your path getting into this? No, I did not know I was going to be a health coach. <laughs> no clue. You know, when I was in high school, I used to say I wanted to be a sex therapist. I used to think that was the thing, which I'd, I'm sort of there. Like, that's in, I wouldn't say I'm a therapist, but that's sort of like I'm in that avenue of, of people and, and jobs. So um, I didn't know this is what I wanted to do. I 
thought I wanted to be a sex therapist. And then I thought I wanted to do something um, in like political health or um, political sciences or something like that. I originally went to school, like my first couple semesters were like for economics. No, so glad I didn't do that. Um, And then when I had all of my health issues, I really pursued my education and holistic health for me. Like that was, I was like, I want to figure out what's happening in my body because no one could tell me. Every doctor told me it was normal. This is just what happens. This is normal adult acne. And I was like, this is absolutely not my normal. Like I've never had acne before. I've never had hair loss before. Like what is going on? And so I spent a lot of time like doing my own research and then pursuing my education, holistic health, really for me. And I I had sort of like an epiphany moment. Uh, I'm constantly, I'm someone who waits on an epiphany. Like I want the sign. I want to know that this is right. And so I really had this like epiphany moment where I was like talking to a friend, we were talking about period stuff. And it just occurred to me how like, we don't know this stuff. Like women aren't educated on our bodies. Like this is not common knowledge. We don't have access to this material unless we purposely seek it out. Like our sex ed classes totally fail us. And so I was like, why is no one doing this? And I was like, wait, I could do this. And so it really blossomed from there after, you know, I had the education and I, you know, I'd put it into work on my body. I was like, okay, I can teach other women to do the same thing. And so it was a long journey to like get there because I definitely didn't feel like I could represent like holistic living and nutrition and that sort of thing well until I had a good understanding of my own system and felt like I was in a better place with my health. And so, you know, all of it sort of like snowballed together and eventually fell into place a couple years ago. And what's something that helped you with your acne? Oh, so many things. Not spending money on endless supplements. That would be my first thing. And skincare products. I spent so much money. That was like my first thing. I was like, okay, I'm going to buy every acne pill and every acne, every acne cream line, whatever. Uh, God, the money I could have saved if I had known better. So my first, like first thing, my first uh, piece of advice that I ever give people is like, stop spending money on all the things and just like, go back to the basics. Like, are you sleeping well? Are you drinking water? Are you eating well? And have you been doing that for three to six plus months? Like that's where I start is with the basics, because a lot of times I will see people who are like, they're stressed out they're um, you know, chronically not sleeping. Like they've got all these things and they're like, but why is this acne supplement not working? And it's like, you are missing the big picture. Like the body needs the proper tools to heal. And like, if we, if we don't equip it with the right tools, it's gonna, it's not going to work. Like all the, no matter how many supplements you take, it's not going to work. So really for me, it was like, stop spending money on everything and just like go back to the basics and stick with the basics for a while. And I was listening to this podcast episode. I don't know if you, if you teach on this, but like during certain days of the month, when you're during your cycle, it's better to refrain from certain activities and your energy levels change tend to change during your cycle. So I don't know if you mm-hmm. like study like the energy levels on like different activities you should do during different points of your cycle. Do you get into mm-hmm. that? Yeah. So it's called cycle syncing. I'm basically looking at your cycle in four different phases. Um, essentially you can ride the waves of those four different phases. And I really look at it as like, I can hack my lifestyle to work with my cycle because my cycle is going to do whatever it's going to do, no matter what, like it's going to, my hormones are going to fluctuate. They're supposed to, we can have really healthy cycles that feel really good, but they're still going to fluctuate. Our 
our brains, they've done studies on like what our brains do throughout the month. And they literally change like in shape, in structure, in chemical balance. So like our brains change throughout the month. It's inevitable that so are my energy levels. So are my moods. Like that stuff's going to happen again. Like it can be within like healthy ranges. Like we don't have to feel crazy mood swings or like uh, brain fog and things like that. But like, I'm still going to be more creative sometimes in the month or like more focused at others. So yeah, this is something I talk about. I feel like all the time, like with my clients, because they notice those trends, especially as we get our hormones within balance, you will notice those fluctuations a bit more. Sometimes if they're out of balance, you'll just feel like crap, like all month long or you got such terrible PMS, you don't really notice anything else that's going on. But once all of that's sort of like within range, you can start to see like, oh, I am more creative this month. They're like, I do want to go out on more dates this month. So it's really, really fun to look at. And my favorite piece of advice when you want to start like looking at what's going on with your cycles and how your moods are fluctuating and stuff is to keep a journal of it. Like keep a journal that's totally dedicated to where you are in your cycle. So like, day 29. This is how I'm feeling. This is like where my energy levels are at. And it's really cool to just go back and see the trends in your cycle. Is it normal to have like days where you're like low energy and days where you're higher energy? Is it normal to just go through all the shifts or should totally, totally normal. And, and you know, it's the thing is, it's like, we, we're going to feel, like I said, we're going to feel those shifts and changes the rule of thumb that I go by is it should never be debilitating. Like it should never be like, Oh my God, I can't go into work because I'm so physically exhausted. I can't get out of bed. Like that's not normal, but being like, Hey, I'm tired today because I'm about to start my period next week. Like that's normal. And our bodies, you know, it revolves around our cycle. Like our, literally our lives revolve around our cycles, whether we know it or not. And so it's inevitable that we're going to feel those shifts. But if it's anything like debilitating, whether that's pain, headaches, um, fatigue, brain fog, things like that. That's when it's like a big red flag, but that is not in the norm. It shouldn't be like dreadful is the way I look at it. Like I get excited for my period each month. I get excited for my cycle. It should be fun and exciting. Um, it should not be something you're just like, Oh my God, I have to put up with this. Now, have you always been excited for your cycle or did you change the way you thought of it? <laughs> yeah, no, I've not always been excited for my cycle. I had really terrible periods when I first got them. They were very sporadic. They were very heavy and crampy. And they were every, almost every single time it was so energy taxing on my body. Almost every single time I got my period, I would say for the first like two years, I got sick like every month and I would get a cold because I would get so fatigued and my immune system would get so suppressed. I would literally get some sort of like cold strep throat, something literally for two years of my life. It was horrible. And I just thought that like, this was, this was going to be my period. And I would, I would literally get sick, have my period. I would finally start to get well, just in time to get sick again. And like, it would go like that. I would say almost every period for two years. And I eventually, I, I can't say that I did anything in particular to like get rid of that. I think I either I grew out of it or my periods weren't as bad, but that was throughout high school. It was not a fun time for me. And so, so yeah, I, I've not always enjoyed my periods. That was not something that happened. I think until the past couple of years when I really started, like really after I came off birth control and was trying to like understand my body and getting used to my cycle. The very first book I read, I believe was woman code by Alyssa Vitti. 
and it's about cycle syncing and understanding your cycle. And she makes it sound so powerful and empowering to have this, this hormone flow and this cycle. And it's such a good book. If you haven't read it, I recommend it. But it clicked in my head. I was like, oh, this could be fun. Like this could be easy. And so it was certainly not the way that I learned it. And you know what? All my friends had terrible cycles and like, that was the norm. I mean, every woman is like, yeah, my cycle, it sucks. I hate it. Like that's normal to people. So I definitely think there had to be some like relearning of what it means to have a cycle that I had to go through and my clients have to go through too. Like we have to relearn to enjoy it and to see like the benefits of it. What is some things that have helped you um, manage your stress? How is maybe being stressed out during your cycle? Does that affect it if you're like in high stress? Yeah, for sure. So we can't be in a stress state and a relaxed state at the same time. So we can either, you know, we have two stress responses basically like, or we have two responses in the body, I should say. And so we have like a fight or flight response and like a stress and or a rest and relaxation response. And so we can't be in this high intensity fight or flight and also be in this rest state. And so to have a healthy cycle and healthy digestion and things like that, we have to be in a rest relaxation state. Um, And when we're chronically stressed out, it can cause all sorts of hormonal imbalances, inflammation, gut issues, everything when we're in this like chronic stress state. And so it's like one of the big foundational things that I teach my clients is to really dig into like the root cause of your stressors and figuring out what stress management looks like. And that doesn't mean that you're never going to be stressed. Of course, we're going to get stressed, but it means that you're, you're managing your stress in a way that you're sort of building up reserves so that like when someone does cut me off in traffic and I get stressed about it and I have the stress response, I have done the other things to take care of my body so that my body can handle that surge of stress. Like I sleep well, I eat in a way that nourishes me. I'm drinking enough water. I'm exercising. All of these things are, are built up in my system so I can handle stress better. But when we're sort of running on empty on everything, and then we're chronically stressed on top of it, that can really impact our, our cycle health and our periods to the point that like we can miss ovulation. It can throw off the length of our cycle. Um, we can have really heavy periods because of it. There's all kinds of things that stress can contribute to with our cycle. So I always tell my clients to like create some sort of um, routine, especially around your period. That's like very much like calming, like a self-care date, like whatever. If you can do that on your period to really just help bring your stress levels down and relax during your cycle or during your bleed, I should say. And what has your journey in personal development look like? Did you have a catalyst moment? Was there something that created the journey? What was the start? I'm always having, I'm always having a <laughs> I have learned over time that it never ends, that the desire to, at least for me, the desire to like evolve and grow and learn more, it doesn't end. I used to think, especially in my business, I was like, okay, if I can just get all the knowledge, if I can just put it in this bucket and then go through this bucket really quickly, I'll have everything and I'll never need to know anything else ever again. Like that was my, my, my thought process. Um, and I've learned that that's not the case <laughs> because it really just never ends. Um, so I think I've had lots of callous moments. It's been a, um, it's been an interesting, I would say a couple of years for me, just getting to know myself because when you're in business, like when you're running your own business, I, I think it really brings out shit that you need to know about yourself. Like it will really bring up things that you never knew were under the surface. And there's a lot to work through. Um, 
I would say my first like big realization of just like self-awareness was probably before I started my business, like a couple years ago, I worked with, um, a, a coach who we, we've still, I guess it's been like maybe three or four years we've been working together now. Like I will still work with her, but she, she's an intuitive, she's a medium. And we started working together doing just a lot of like energy healing and really going like deeper into what's going on in my subconscious mind. And that was a big moment for me. Cause I think it really opened up a lot. And I was like, Oh, I'm really curious about this stuff. I'm really going to dig into what's going on deeper. And it has just not stopped since <laughs> I'm just constantly digging into what's going on with myself, continual self-development. And for me, that really looks like men, like having mentorship. Like I really enjoy like having coaches and like accountability and someone to work through things with. Um, I love like self-help books, but sometimes you just need like that extra step in my opinion, as well as therapy, like huge advocate for therapy, like everyone go please. And so, yeah, I think for me, it'll be, it's one of those never ending things. What's some work that you do on your money mindset? I saw some screenshots on Facebook that you've been having like super good months. I know you're probably doing like a lot of work on your money mindset and attracting ideal clients. Oh yeah. (laughs) You know, it, it's all about when I started in business, I was like all for the strategy. I'm like, okay, let me just like get really focused on strategy and like I mean, down to like the nitty gritty. I was like, how many times do I have to post on Instagram a week? And how many times do I need to show up on Facebook? And how many, like that to me was very masculine energy. Like I really needed to get into, I I really thought I needed to get into like the strategy behind it. Like I needed to understand that. And I realized that you can have all the strategy in the world, but if your mindset's fucked, then you're screwed. Like it doesn't matter. Um, and so like, if you're getting on sales calls and being like, wow, I'm not deserving of this client, your client's going to feel that like, they're going to feel that energy. And so for me, it was, it was definitely something I had to work on because I definitely thought that I could just like strategize my way out of it. And so I, I started with the book, um, you're a badass at making money. Love it. So good. And really just understanding like my beliefs around money. And one of the things that I had to learn is that money is just a tool. Like money isn't good or bad. It's just a tool. And we put energy around it. And so I had to feel okay asking for and receiving money for the service that I was providing. And so that was something I really had to work on. It's like being okay with like, I'm, I'm providing a service and the service is me. Like that's a hard thing to overcome because there's a lot of pressure in my mind. There was a lot of pressure to show up and, to make sure that I knew everything and like I couldn't screw up and I had to be perfect. And that was a lot that I had to work through because I did want to feel like I did want my clients to feel like they were getting what they invested in. Um, but I also had to like do it in a way that was healthy for me. And so I had to definitely had to work on that money mindset stuff. Definitely. It's still, it's a work again, like a continual journey because, um, I think there's still like times where it comes up or like I have those like bigger months and I'm like, oh shit, is this okay? Like, do I deserve this? Is this a good thing? And so absolutely, I have sticky notes all over my desk. Like you are, you deserve to make money. Like there's one of them, like on my desk. Um, And I think one of the other things too is like detaching myself from my business. Like I'm working for my business. I don't work for me. That's the way I look at it. Um, It makes it easier in my mind to then ask for, um, you know, ask for what I I know like my services are worth or ask for like what things are priced for to know that like I am 
providing a service to a business rather, or I'm, I, I'm the service is being provided by the business rather than me per se. That was like a big mindset switch for me too. And you know, you said that you're basically the service. So when you're basically the service, how would you work around like, you know, the blocks around, like, am I charging too much for this? Is this a good price for this? Am I delivering enough for this? You know, like kind of detach from that. I very much believe in over delivering always. And I, I always think about it from the perspective of like, how do I, what kind of service do I like to get? Like, how do I like to, that's how I really create everything. It's how I create my, my courses. It's how I do my coaching. How do I thrive best? Because really like, I think I relate to my ideal client a lot. I, I think whenever you're coaching or you're in anything like this, like you, you want to be real, like you want to relate to your ideal client. You want to have things in common. And so I think about it from the perspective of like, what have I experienced that I liked and didn't like? And then what is my ideal client need? Um, and I think combining those th- two things together, because again, like I have to feel energetically in alignment with it. Like if I'm like, okay, well, my ideal client needs 45 minute long videos, but I hate making 45 minute long videos. Like it doesn't, it's not going to help her because my energy is going to be so out of whack for that, for delivering that information. So I really like to look at it as like, okay, what do I, how do I like to learn? How do I like to create? And then what does she need to be successful at this? And so for me, it's really been about getting in alignment with those two things and, and then making sure that I am delivering to like that standard. I have a very high standard for myself. I have a very high standard for other people as well. And so I want to make sure that I'm delivering in a way, like if I bought this course, would I be pleased with it? And so I'm constantly updating it and like going in, I just did like, a, I think I spent like eight hours a couple of days ago, like doing a full overhaul of one of my courses and like adding in a bunch of new material and things like that. So I'm always going in and doing that. And, and when it comes to charging for your services, I, you know, it's just one of those things that I don't think is ever comfortable but then I say that I'm like, yeah, then there's, there's some money mindset shit I have to work on. Um, but like, it, it's one of those things that like, I think you, there's resistance to it. I, you know, I, at least for me at this point, I'm sure my goal would be to like, not be to like, be so good at it. Um, but to be candid, like I would say there's always resistance for it, but I always try to pick a price that like feels really good for me and, and feels really good to my client too. I want it to make sense for them for what they're getting. I don't want them to be like, oh my God, this is absurd for health coaching. I want it to be enough that I'm compensated for like the time that went into it, but also like it holds them accountable. That's a huge thing. Like how many freebies have we all downloaded that we don't have, like that sit on our computer and we never look at again because it was free. So there, there's gotta be some skin in the game when it comes to money. So it's gotta be enough that like they're there, they feel held accountable by how much they've invested. Like, wow, I've invested this. I need to show up. Um, there's a huge like psychology behind that. That's so fascinating to me. But then also there's something that's like, not, I don't think it should be like exhausting their bank account to like get, get service. You know what I mean? I think there's like a happy medium in there somewhere and I'm getting more comfortable with charging that. Like I'll say that like there again, like I said, there's some money mindset shit. I probably have to work on with that. <laughs> and how do you tap into your feminine energy? for me, it's really about like rituals, like really grounding rituals. I tend to go into my masculine really easily. Um, I will just, it will just like overpower my feminine. Um, which is funny because I work in like a very feminine business. (laughs) Like, so it's, 
it's interesting to see that evolve. For me, it has to be like, there has to be like grounding rituals. And that may mean like waking up and like journaling and meditating every morning, or it could look like exercising in a way that like feels really flowy and like intuitive to me, maybe not something so like rigid. And so I just have to make sure that I have those touch points with my feminine throughout the day. And one of the things uh, when I mentors talked about one time was I, I, I like to create sort of like a, um, a masculine structure and then a feminine flow within that. So if I know that I'm going to work from 11 to three, I know that like, I'm allowing myself to like flow in between what I need to do. So like, if I have to get content done or whatever, like I'm still going to be creative with the content. I'm still going to tap into those feminine things while still being in like a masculine container, if that makes sense. So it just, I just have to make sure like I'm purposely intertwining that I have to purpose to do it. It's not something that I will naturally fall into. I'll naturally fall into that like masculine rhythm. And I think everyone's a little bit different. Like I know people who are just like full blown feminine and like, they have to have some structure. They have to create that for themselves. And so that's been like my journey with it, especially in business, because I will just like work all day long to get stuff done. Um, so I have to create those like touch points in that balance. What is something that you're learning right now? <laughs> Everything all the time. <laughs> I would say one of the things I'm actively working on is like money mindset. Like that's one of the things I'm currently digging into. One of the things I'm learning is how to receive feedback and not, I'm very self-aware and also very hard on myself. And so receiving feedback in a way that is positive, even if it's negative feedback, that's a big one for me. I, if I like, if I get feedback and I like get pissed, I'll like sit there and be like, all right, this is not about you right now. Like you're just getting feedback. Just take it. What like, take what's coming. This is not a personal jab, which I think a lot of people struggle with. And so it's been, it's actually been kind of fun to to, like learn that with myself. So I'd say those are like the big things that I'm currently working on. And how do you not take feedback personal? Like, cause it can feel very personal when it comes to, (laughs) I used to be so sensitive to criticism. I mean, like before I even like got into this like career path, like when I remember like in high school, my stepdad was like, he said that he's like, you are so sensitive to criticism. Like you have got to work on that. And I was like, no, I don't screw you. Like again, being sensitive to criticism. Um, and so when you get into this business for me, I always want my clients to feel like they can give me feedback. Like I want them to tell me where they could be again, or like the service could be better or they could learn more or whatever which I'm happy to say that like my clients are happy and healthy, but I want to keep that space for them where they could, like they feel comfortable doing so. And so for me, it's very much being aware that like, if I ever get feedback, it is that I, I, I love, like, I, I'm not, never asking for like unsolicited feedback. Like I will, I'm, there's a boundary there. I think that I think most people need to set a lot of times Um, other people will put their opinions on you and be like, oh, this is what I think of you. And it's like, okay, great. I didn't ask. So I think, you know, having that boundary between solicited and unsolicited feedback. And then when you create that space for solicited feedback, just making sure like you are coming at it from a way that you're really grounded. So for me, I have to make sure like I'm really like in my body, I've done, you know, my practices to feel really grounded and connected to me. So that when I do receive feedback, it's not, I know it's not a personal jab. Like this is just something to make me better. So I think it very much is about like setting healthy boundaries so that you can receive feedback in a way that is going to be beneficial to you. Because if we just get it like unsolicited or off the cuff and we're not prepared for that, we're immediately going to shut down. Like it's a defense mechanism. So I think you have to create that container for yourself where 
you can receive it and you feel safe and grounded and like in your body to be able to process that, if that makes sense. And what's something that makes you feel alive? (laughs) I would say travel, but not right now, but travel in general um, is something that makes me feel alive. I would say my pets. I know that's like so cheesy, but like, oh, I love them so much. They're lights of my life. And I would say my partnership too, like being with my significant other is very much like the greatest thing I do. Like it's very, like being in that, in that relationship is like the best thing ever. So, um, I would say all of those things. And how'd you meet your significant other? I DM'd him on Twitter. Really? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I, he had, um, we had some mutual friends. He had like a fairly large Twitter following at the time. And I thought it was cute. And I thought he was funny. And like those, that was like my two boxes. I was like, wow, you're cute and you're funny. Sounds good. And I DM'd him and it took him six months to ask me out, but here we are four years later. So <laughs> yeah, planning a wedding for next year. Like it really went from Twitter DMs to wedding. So <laughs> and is he into personal development as well? Yeah. Yeah. He's had his own really, really fascinating story um, and journey with health and wellness. When we started dating, he was about 50 pounds heavier. He was smoking a pack a day. I didn't know that he was smoking at the time he hit that, um, hit that real well. But, um, and so during our relationship, really when we first started dating, you know, it was a conversation we had about like how that's like something that's very important to me as like someone who's active. And he had previously, you know, been a college athlete and things like that. And it was just one of those things that he had like lost track of, I would say. And so it was very easy for him to really jump back into it. But he, I would say even now, like, he's more disciplined than me now. Like truly that boy never misses a workout. Like he is so spot on with everything. He loves it. So I would say that, yeah, it, it definitely, it's definitely something that's very important to him. And I think it works really well for us because I think he, you know, we keep each other accountable. he, encourages me to continue growing and vice versa. So that was definitely an important factor in our relationship. And did you do anything to call in that relationship? No, honestly, Mm -hmm. I can't say that, but like maybe, um, I've always been a relationship girl. I have always loved being in a relationship, loved boys. Like I was thought it was the best. So I really, for a long time, like, you know, I was a serial dater I spent a lot of time like in, I never, I'm lucky enough to say that I've never dated like any terrible guys. Like they've all been fairly great humans, just maybe like bad timing or like not soul partners or things like that. And so I really like took a break. I was like, okay, you have been dating for most of your 16 plus life. You would need a break. And so I took a break for a couple, I would say six or more months from dating. I wasn't talking to anyone. I wasn't on dating apps. Like I wasn't doing any of it. And he just sort of popped up. Like he just came in. So I could say no, like I wasn't purposely doing anything, but yes, I was like very in alignment with myself and like really focused on like what was making me happy. So like I didn't intentionally call him in like per se, like I wasn't pursuing um, a relationship, but at the same time, like I really set myself up to be in a space where I could pursue a relationship, if that makes sense. So yes and no. (laughs) And what's the biggest thing you've learned from him? That the journey is more important than the destination. 
I am so much about, like I said, like I want to like learn all the things now. I want to do all the things right now. And he is constantly reminding me that just like, just to enjoy the journey, like be present, enjoy the process. And so I would say it's something I'm better at, but he's also older than me. And I think that helps too. He, he'll, he can't listen to this. I don't want to listen to this, but he may be more mature than me in some things. Um, I won't tell him I ever said that, but I would say with that, he is certainly more mature on that aspect. And so he's constantly reminding me to just be present and not get so caught up in the destination. And if you can go back in time and talk to your 20 year old self, what would you tell her? Oh man. Just to stick with it. I was so wishy-washy with anything I did with my health. That was really when I was going through like a peak of my health stuff. And I just didn't know what consistently consistency looked like and what grounding looked like and what like trusting my own intuition looked like. Um, And I would say I had some pulls to do so. Like I knew that in the back of my mind that, Hey, maybe just like trust your intuition and your, you know, stick to your guns and, and do what feels good. But I didn't, I wasn't fully like able to trust in that process yet. And so I think if I could go back, I think I would just tell her to, just trust your intuition on more stuff and, and show up consistently rather than being so like frantic and all over the place. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for doing this. Oh my gosh. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Where can people connect with you? Um, so my social media is at Callie Shea on everything. I think. Yeah. Um, and the Facebook group is get cliterate. I have a podcast called the get cliterate podcast. So you can come hang out over there And yeah, feel free to message me with questions or whatever. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'd love if you can leave me a review on iTunes. Please feel free to share it with any friends you think the story would resonate with. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day.